Greetings, fellow seafarers. Welcome to the first episode of Rank Amateur. Today we're featuring the Tier 3 U.S. Cruiser, USS St. Louis. I will begin by saying that USS St. Louis is way more interesting in World of Warships than it is in history. In history, it's uh, kind of lackluster. Anyways, USS St. Louis was the lead ship of the St. Louis class of cruisers, of which there were three, including USS St. Louis herself. USS St. Louis was laid down on July 31st, 1902. She was launched on May 6th, 1905, and she was commissioned on August 18th, 1905. So just some quick facts about the ships and specifications. Uh, the displacement was 9,700 tons as normal, with 10,960 tons being a full load. She was 424 feet long at the waterline, 426 feet long overall. The beam was 66 feet, which that's how wide the ship is. The draft was 22 feet 6 inches, and that's how much water the ship normally takes up. And that's as normally loaded. Armament was 14 152 millimeter guns with 1876 millimeter secondaries. The power plant was 16 boilers powering two triple expansion engines. Power is dispersed down two shafts. Fuel capacity up to 1500 tons of coal. Armor is 203 millimeters on the midship's deck plating that was actually added after the ship was launched. And that just covers the machinery spaces. She has an armor plating of 51 to 76 millimeters on the deck and a crew of 565 people. The St. Louis is interesting in its design is that it was originally authorized as being an 8,000 ton cruiser and it was supposed to kind of represent the Pennsylvania and Tennessee class. However, Congress didn't really want to have another cruiser that was that big, so yeah, they limited to 8,000 tons and the Pennsylvanias were much larger I think they were at like 16,000 tons something around there and so the Navy was thinking well what what do you think <laughs> what are you doing that's going to give us a ship that is way behind foreign navies so they kind of had to compromise instead of giving the St. Louis a mix of 6 inch and 8 inch guns so 203 millimeters and 152 millimeter armament they decided to do away with the 8 inch guns and go for an all 6 inch armament and that's just 152 millimeters all around and uh, they also have this relatively same uh, protective deck on the ship. And they also uh, wanted to have some endurance, so they had large coal bunkers for the ship's size. However, what this sacrificed was speed. The Navy wanted the ship to be a relatively quick uh, ship, so it could catch uh, commerce raiders and armed merchant ships. However, with the enlarged coal bunkers, they were only able to maintain a top speed of 22 knots, which is not much faster than battleships of the time. So 
that was the Navy's compromise, and Congress's compromise is that they would raise the ship to 9,700 tons rather than the normal 8,000. So the ship was kind of disappointing, and it was heavily criticized as being both underarmed and way too big for the amount of horsepower that it generated. So essentially it was just complained about as being really sluggish. This was complained on so much, and the fact that they were classified as protected in armored cruisers was also uh, very heavily criticized. So it was reduced to semi-armored cruisers. However, they were reclassified later on as heavy cruisers, even though they only carried 6-inch guns, or 152 millimeters. And this sort of underarmed appearance, and, well, in actuality, except they had a lot of weapons... Uh, was reflected in the history. They None of them really saw any action. I mean, the most exciting thing that happened to any of the class, and by the way, there's three, three ships, as I have said, Charleston, Milwaukee, and St. Louis, um, actually happened to USS Milwaukee. While it was attempting to salvage a U.S. submarine and the captain completely disregarded all advice from local sailors and sailed over a shoal, proceeding to get his ship grounded itself so well that it was never recovered and deemed a total loss. It was stricken from the naval register and then essentially just left to split apart in a storm and later scrapped. So on to the ship... Uh, itself. So it had a total of 14 6-inch gun turrets, and most of those were protected in 4-inch casemates on either side of the ship. However, there were two unprotected gun turrets that were on the fore deck and aft deck. Those gun turrets were the only ones that could fire if the ship was bow onto a target or stern onto a target, I guess, as you could phrase it. So it had a fairly strong broadside firepower, but it wasn't really it couldn't bring a lot of its guns to bear on any one target, which was a huge disadvantage, especially when you have guns as small as 152 millimeters on a ship that's 424 feet long. So on to the history. So after completing its shakedown cruise, so essentially kind of the testing of the ship. Uh, USS St. Louis went on a South American cruise and visited many South American ports, especially the major ones. But I can only pronounce uh, Rio de Janeiro, because you know I'm crap. Uh, Before arriving at San Diego on August 31st, 1907, she kind of just meandered around the West Coast in the start of 1908 before setting a course from Puget Sound to Honolulu. Then she just kind of meandered around the Hawaiian Islands until steaming back to Puget Sound in October of the same year where she was put into reserve. And you can kind of start to see what's going to happen the entire life of USS St. Louis. She just kind of appears to have no purpose. Like the Navy just built a ship because they could and didn't have a specific purpose of it. U.S. Navy decommissioned her in the spring of 1910 and recommissioned her on October 7th, 1911, because, you know, why not? And because we can, I guess. It's Why would you just decommission it and recommission it if you're going to do it a year later? I don't know. Don't ask me. And she steamed back to San Francisco and served as a receiving ship there. So she just kind of sat around in the port and did nothing. She went to normal maintenance before joining the Pacific Reserve Fleet again, 
and then she operated in the Oregon Naval Militia, which is just a branch of the Oregon National Guard. Also, that's kind of exciting, I guess. And then she was once again placed in the reserve fleet for a year. Then she became a receiving ship in San Francisco for around two years again. And then she went straight back to reserve in February of 1916. So just kind of in and out of reserve, not doing anything really particularly special, which I guess is a little boring for a ship that's actually featured in World of Warships. She was reactivated in July 1916 and sailed to Pearl Harbor to serve as a submarine tender in the U.S. Submarine Division 3 of the Pacific Fleet. Kind of interesting. I guess it actually kind of has a purpose now. She served as a station ship in Pearl Harbor as well, so just kind of a management ship. In February of 1917, Geyer, I think that's how you pronounce it, a German sloop, was anchored in the then-neutral Pearl Harbor. The Germans intended to scuttle their ship to keep it from falling into potentially allied hands, as the ship was damaged in the propulsion system. St. Louis came alongside and sent a boarding party to seize the ship, and it was seized without incident, but they did send armed boarding party, which I guess is the probably most interesting part of the St. Louis life. It, yeah. But the ship served in the U.S. Navy before being sunk towards the end of World War I by a collision with a merchant ship. At the outbreak of World War I, St. Louis took a complement of Marines and headed for Cuba from Pearl Harbor, where the Marines disembarked and St. Louis again set a course, except this time for Philadelphia. It was now that she began her convoy duty. First convoy went from New York to ports in France, but she escorted many convoys, including some to Britain as well. She also carried high-ranking U.S. personnel along with USS Huntington to confer with European allies in Britain and France towards the end of the war. And for this, she was also escorted by a group of multinational vessels. After the war had ceased, she had brought back thousands of troops in seven voyages across the Atlantic, which is probably the most useful thing that this ship has done. I mean, seriously, like, what is the point of this ship? I don't, I, I don't get it. They, honestly, this group of sh this class of ships should never have been built because there's really no point. I mean, we could have done this with any other ship that we had already had. Anyways, she also provided humanitarian aid to refugees affected by the Russian and Turkish revolutions while stationed in the Mediterranean. So, uh, she spent a lot of time anchored in Constantinople. She was then decommissioned on the 3rd of March in 1922, sat in reserve until March 30th, 1930, and she was struck on that date. She was sold for scrapping in accordance with both Washington naval treaties on August 13th, 1930, and that was the end of USS St. Louis. Uh, there would be another USS St. Louis only a few years later as a Brooklyn-class light cruiser that was actually present at Pearl Harbor, I believe. But USS St. Louis, the St. Louis-class cruiser, is number 20, does make up for this boring performance in history with a spectacular performance in World of Warships. Now two of these ships are available in World of Warships, and that is St. Louis, which is a Tier 3 Tech Tree ship, and Charleston, which is a Tier 3 Premium ship. 
as I said before, these ships are amazing. I've done some really stupid stuff in this ship, and this ship is very, very forgiving, at least for a cruiser. And I, in my opinion, it's the best tier 3 cruiser there is. Um, so the armor layout actually is a small turtleback scheme. Uh, you only have 102 millimeters on the... Uh, belt armor, and that's as it is in real life centered over the boilers, but the rest is only six millimeters plating, which is not much overmatched very easily, except the conning tower has 38 millimeters. But this ship is notorious for getting its turrets knocked out, which isn't really a problem. You have 14 of them, but it, it's an annoyance nonetheless. Um, yeah, so. You can't see it, but this has a turtleback scheme, and it's well armored in the Citadel thwartship with having 51 millimeters of armor. The Citadel deck has 51 millimeters of armor, and the Citadel thwartship for the stern end of the ship has 51 millimeters of armor. The Citadel deck slopes has 76 millimeters of armor, meaning it's it's not really that vulnerable to plunging fire, especially since the calibers of shells at this tier are so low. But close range, yeah, good luck citadeling this ship. Uh, however, the citadel plating below the water is 13 millimeters, so if somehow they get there, uh, you might be a little out of luck. Turrets are not very durable at all, like I said. It's only 6 millimeters of armor, and you only have 19 millimeters of armor on the turrets in the side. Look at it in casemates. And the rest of the plating is either 13 or 6 millimeters, depending on where you click. Survivability, 29,500 hit points, very respectable, and it's quite easy to do damage in this ship that totals up to 1.5 or even twice the amount of hit points that this ship has itself. Artillery, same as real life, 14, 152 millimeter guns disposed of in one turret, or one per turret with two on the end that are unprotected, easily, easily disabled. It doesn't take much to disable them. Uh, secondary armaments, 76.2 millimeters, um, 50 caliber Mark IV uh, guns, 18 of them, each disposed in their own casemate. Uh, I mean, they only have a range of 2.5 kilometers, so you're not really going to use them all that much, although they are nice to have. Speaking of which, the main battery's firing range, mine is fully upgraded by the way. Maximum range is 12.5 kilometers. You're mainly going to be using HE in this ship just because it's the AP's okay, but it can't really even penetrate itself. If you're fighting another St. Louis, unless it's flat broadside and you're at close range, you're not really going to penetrate that um, belt armor, especially in the center of the ship or amidships. Um, reload time is 9.0 seconds. I have adrenaline rush running, so it gets uh, gradually lower as my ship's HP deteriorates. 180 degree turn time is 22.5 seconds, which is pretty bad. It, not gonna lie, it's bad. But that's only affecting the forward and aft most turrets. They're the only ones who can even turn more than 180 degrees. The other ones located in casemates in the side really have no problem with this because let's say you're fighting a 
Um, another St. Louis off of your starboard side, your starboard bow, and you sink that target, or it gets sunk by another person, or another captain, I should say, and then all of a sudden another destroyer, let's say a Clemson, pops up on your uh, port side, you don't have to wait for your uh, turrets to turn all the way around because your other seven turrets, or not seven turrets, but your other six turrets on the port side only have to turn a few degrees to get lined up and pointed at the Clemson on the other side. Now you will temporarily lose firepower on those two uh, forward and aft turrets, but that's not a super huge deal as they are only 152 millimeters, so they don't do any damage individually. Which brings me to HE. Yeah, pretty much fire it unless you got a flat broadside. Um, it's really not worth trying to figure out your AP angles on this ship. Uh, however, it does have, it starts to, at this tier, have the legendary U.S. Navy shell arcs. And this is a really good um, training tool for how to figure out how to use these shell arcs. These shell arcs are good for lobbing shells over islands, but they're really bad for trying to hit targets, especially fast ones such as destroyers, at long range. It's just good luck. That being said, your HE does have penetration value of 25 millimeters, which is pretty good. You'll do reliable damage against pretty much anything at your tier, and it has a max AP sh or HE shell damage of 2100 damage. Your AP shell damage is 3000, and each of the types of shell have 853 meters per second shell velocity, which it's okay, but this ship, quoted in Wargaming's uh, guide on how to play it, is literally bristling with guns. It has no problem with how many or how much artillery it has. Uh, something that is very lackluster at a defense, which is really not surprising. The ship being commissioned in the early 1900s, there were. Uh, planes were really not thought as that much of a threat to ships, so you have eight 7.6mm Hotchkiss Mark One AA guns. They do a whopping 21 continuous damage, and they have a range of 1.5 kilometers. So basically, the aircraft have to be right on top of you, and they will eat you alive. Um, but being the lower tier, below tier 4, you get that protected matchmaking, so you're only going to be facing Langley, Hosho, and Hermes. So you're really not going to have any problems. I mean, you'll have problems with them, especially if you're uh, you're being focused down by them, but you really, you're not going to see them that much. I have, I generally am not up-tiered in this ship that much, but, yeah, maneuverability. Maximum speed, 22.0 knots. Yeah, it's pretty bad. Or really bad for a light cruiser. I mean, it is technically a semi-protected cruiser, but it's got light cruiser armament, so yeah, it's bad. It, it teaches you, though, for the standard battleships that the U.S. Navy has, starting at Tier 3 with the South Carolina that you can unlock by upgrading this ship. Yeah, they have a top speed fully upgraded of 21 knots, and that's not flying a speed flag, but it's nothing impressive. But what they also have, and what the St. Louis also has, is a turning circle radius that is really tight for its size. It's only 450 meters on the St. Louis, which means you can avoid torpedoes pretty well. Uh, and you only have a rudder shift time of 6.4 seconds, which is on par with some destroyers. 
which I think is quite frankly amazing with the size of the ship. Concealment, yeah, nothing impressive here. You can be detected by a whopping 11.0 kilometers, which is just barely more than your main battery firing range. Only 1.5 kilometers of initial stealth firing capabilities. Detectability range by air isn't too bad, it's 5.0 kilometers. Assured detectability range, so proxy detection, that's going to be the same on every ship, 2.0 kilometers. And detectability after firing main guns and smoke is also, or well, it's 5.0 kilometers, which I don't think it's too bad. But, yeah. So, the modules that I have running on this ship, I have main battery modification 1, because those main battery turrets are very easily incapacitated even with this mod running so you're gonna wanna have that mod um, to just not have a main turret go down after every salvo fired after you because those turrets only have a few millimeters of armor on them especially those forward and aft turrets because if you're if you decide to go bow into something you're only gonna be able to fire one turret if that turret gets incapacitated it's gonna be not so fun for you. And then for my second armament or second um, upgrade and mod, I went for damage control system mod one rather than engine room protection because I don't generally have a problem with um, uh, the engine being incapacitated. I mean, the ship doesn't go fast to begin with, but I feel that damage control modification would be better, especially with the reduced fire chance. And this ship has only one consumable, and that's for Parapiety, so we can't talk about that. Oh, something I forgot to mention. Fire chance, 7% without any flags on it. Captain skills, I mean, just, it's really standard. I only, I had to transfer a captain from one of my other ships, so I only have priority target and adrenaline rush, but something you can... I wouldn't really invest in expert marksman, or at least initially, just because the only turrets that are going to turn around are those forward and aft turrets. Um, I mean, you can invest in concealment expert, but really, it's not not a ship that's super dependent on its captain skills. It can really hold its own for the average player who's going to crawl up from the Chester at Tier 2 and get the ship at Tier 3. Um... Something that I think is not great about this ship, and it doesn't actually have to deal with its performance, is the, its um, ability as a training ship for higher tiers, especially when you get to like the Phoenix at Tier 4 and the Omaha at Tier 5. Those are very, very fragile ships, and I think the problem with this is new players are going to come in and think that the rest of the line is going to be super durable like this is, and that's absolutely not the case. Uh, Phoenix and Omaha will eat citadels like nobody's business, because remember, any Tier 5 cruiser that is not the Furutaka, or even Tier 4 cruisers, will eat citadels. Now for gameplay for this ship, I my gameplay is pretty similar to just the norm, and I think that's pretty much the only way you can play this ship. I mean... Uh, is to work the center of the map. And I don't mean steam straight down the center and get torpedoed instantly by every destroyer or focus down by every ship on the enemy team, especially if you're being up-tiered. Um, I mean, well, I guess it's not really hard, hard to do it, but just kind of lag behind your destroyers and your faster cruisers until you get to the center of the map and park yourself kind of around the corner of an island and sit there and uh, just fire at targets that you see. And unfortunately with the ship, you really do have to present an uncomfortable amount of broadside to get all these turrets firing. 
but if you can use that, that way you won't you won't get out of range of every single enemy ship on the enemy team. Uh, because if you work the flanks, you'll find that sh uh, the every ship gets sunk on your side of the flank, and you're just steaming for the rest of the map trying to get in range of other targets. So staying in a central position in relation to um, the enemy's position and using island cover is ideal in this ship, but you can't rush in there, get in a crossfire, and get deleted instantly, therefore providing no utility or use to your team whatsoever. The St. Louis is better played as, more, I guess, more of a U.S. Navy battleship is how I would play it. And I guess some people are really not going to like me for saying that, but it really does. You can't, it's not a really a cruiser gameplay. You more play it like a higher tier heavy cruiser, battle cruiser, or battleship. And that's just kind of sitting back and plinking at what you see uh, your destroyer spot for you. And it really doesn't do super well spotting its own targets. It's not bad, but... Um, uh, and I, like I said, don't, don't even bother firing armor piercing at targets that are slightly angled or more armored than, uh, yourself or a St. Louis. So other protected cruisers, you will just ricochet every shot and get no damage. However, Caldeons or Caldons or whatever, the British cruisers at your tier, you can Citadel through the nose. I highly recommend if you see a British cruiser, you switch to the armor-piercing, no matter what angle it's presenting you, and you fire that armor-piercing. You will citadel thing and delete it. I have watched videos of this happen. I've done it by myself. It is a very rewarding experience, especially when you get that full broadside out. Just be careful for their torpedoes, because there's nothing more embarrassing than having basically a kill handed to you, especially if one of these things is broadside, and getting torpedoed and sunk by them instead. There, there's nothing more embarrassing. It's happened to me before, although a while ago, but it has happened to me <laughs> a few times, as embarrassed as I am to admit that. Alright, so now let's get into some gameplay. So I have a game that I played earlier today, and it is on the Archipelago map. Uh, each team has two, or actually one battleship each, uh, a Tierney, Tier 3 French battleship, I don't know how to pronounce it, and a Kawachi on the other team. Uh, on my team, we have two St. Louis's, whatever the plural is, and the other team has a St. Louis and two Charlestons, we have a Italian Tier 3 cruiser, I don't know how to pronounce it, and a boy guitar, and the other team has a Calzion. Uh, we have a Tier 3 destroyer, I don't know how to pronounce the name, a Fuliser, and a Romulus on the other team. Okay, so now we're just steaming into position. I mean, this ship goes nowhere fast, even with a max speed of 22 knots, fully upgraded. I'm not running a speed flag, however. First thing spotted is the Romulus. He's at a range of... 9.7 kilometers, and he's steaming at a flat broadside. However, the shell arcs on this are not terrible, but enough that he turns and I can't hit him. And then uh, Charleston pops up on our map, and he quickly realizes air of judgment and being spotted in front of our entire team, and he's trying to duck inside of an island. He pops off three shots in my direction, and none of them hit. I pop off four more shots in his direction. An additional three. And 
none of them hit. And he's about to go behind the island where I can't shoot him. St. Louis has popped up 12.3 kilometers away. Kawachi, that Romulus is still spawning. Now I'm undetected because he went behind the island. Romulus is going to be a little annoying because the St. Louis will delete destroyers, but it, it, it only is okay with torpedoes. Shots out of St. Louis at max range. Rewarded with three penetrations on it. And I'm just sailing around our base and around an island right now. I'm going to try to park myself behind this island to see if I could get the island between me and the battleships on the other side. Or actually, battleship on the other side, because I do not want to be shot at by him. Romulus's engine has been knocked out by someone, but he goes undetected. And shots fire. Nope. Blind shots don't hit. All right, and there's a Italian cruiser behind me, seeking shelter behind the same island that I have. And I am staying in a central position where most of the enemy team, with the exception of two ships, is in my firing range. And this is good so I don't have to follow them around and chase them because that's, that's really not what the St. Louis does well. I believe the only thing it can catch are battleships and the Langley. Uh, Charleston's behind an island, but I think I can get the shells over the island. Yes, I can. And rewarded with two penetrations and a fire set on the Charleston. He's now at 6,000 health. Shots out again at him. He might have moved, though. And the Romulus pops up eight kilometers away. Um, he's going behind an island, though, so I'm not going to shoot. However, the St. Louis has taken an interest in me. He's at a range of 11.6 kilometers. And I've come out behind, from behind the island because I've found a lack of ships to shoot at. Still staying, trying to stay in that central position. And more shots out. Yeah, St. Louis is broadside now. In retrospect, I probably should have loaded the armor-piercing, even though it doesn't do well shooting at other St. Louis St. Louis's. Um, when they're perfect flat broadside like this guy's giving me, I should have, and I got main, main turret incapacitated again. Yeah, that happens all the time. You're going to have to get used to it as a St. Louis player. More shots out. And now we're just pretty much exchanging fire between ourselves. Uh, the Romulus, however, has gone undetected, and that's starting to make me nervous. Making some alter, uh, altering my course and speed just to throw off any torpedoes, because that thing has ridiculously fast loading torpedoes, and I don't want to eat any of them, even though they don't do that much damage. St. Louis has switched to firing armor piercing at me, which is confusing given the angle I am presenting to him will auto-bounce all those shells. Unless they land in my superstructure and overpenetrate, which is what one of them is going to do. Actually, no, that salvo missed. Um, but he's going to duck and cover behind an island. Nope, he's actually turning to go stern on to me, so he can only get that one turret firing. Since he only gets one turret firing, I open up a little more broadside. Uh, set a fire on him. And the Romulus pops up, 5.7 kilometers away. A little bit of a brown alert moment for me. Um, but he's at 5,000 health in presenting a nice target so my shells land on him and I'm just kind of giving a good shell spread so if he bobs and weaves he'll still collect some disable his steering so he's in a permanent turn doesn't use his damage control finally opens fire on me at that point it's too little too late it goes 325 health only gotta wait three more seconds for my guns to reload he dodges a shot from a fellow teammate and there I go there's the kill uh, 25,000 damage 
St. Louis is still lurking out there. He's at 7,000 health. I'm currently at 14 out of 29. And this is where I think I push a little too far. I should have started kiting because there's a Caldeon that's starting to head my way. And at Kawachi, he's also getting kind of close. So we still have islands between ourselves. So he can't shoot at me yet. But this St. Louis is giving me broadside. I actually try the AP for once. And... Well, actually, that was an HE salvo because I switched to the AP. And let's see, what is this salvo going to do? Giving me broad, more broadside. He's kind of kiting a little, or he is kiting, but he's bopping and weaving a little bit, using that uh, extremely good rudder shift time to try and avoid my shots, and awarded with an overpenetration and non-penetration. So I decided to fire one more salvo, switch to the HE, and the Caldeon pops up. I didn't see this because I was too focused on the St. Louis, but he's at a range of 10 kilometers, and he's about ready to start shooting at me. I don't think he sees me quite yet, though. St. Louis is still bobbing and weaving, and I'm still trying to maintain that central position so I can have access to most of the targets on the enemy team, but this engagement with the St. Louis is taking too long, and that's when I realized that majority of my team has ditched me out in the flank, so I am, oh geez, pro yeah, 12 kilometers away from any teammate, and that's when I realized that I'm kind of doomed. So I just try to get as much damage as I can in before my inevitable demise, because now I'm going to get in a crossfire with two of these ships, although... The French battleship is giving some support and t uh, putting fire on that Caldeon, who's giving me a broadside. And I rem remember what I said, you can overmatch their bows. Because he's only got like a few millimeters of armor. Ah, uh, yeah, missed with the armor piercing. So he's still, he's going bow on. He's presenting what would be the best target for him to possibly present, but it's just I can get penetration straight through his bow. Especially when it goes through his protective deck. More shots out. I'm at 1,700 health, so yeah, we're done. Yeah, and there we go. So, my air of judgment there was staying on the flank where there was no mutual support. And now, enemy teams have 400. By the way, this is a battle with the bases. I forget what they call it. That's embarrassing, anyways. Um... Our team has a battleship and a cruiser left. They have three cruisers left. This will eventually be a victory, but I got another battle to show you guys. Another battle on the archipelago map. Um, this is a slightly more populated match, although not that much. Both these matches were played in the middle of the day on the North American server, by the way. Um, we have two pink members on our team. I suspect at low tiers that was just probably carelessness with your torpedoes. But um, two battleships on each team, four cruisers, and three destroyers. Uh, destroyers are something that you have to be careful with, especially the Umbukazi with its really quick reloading torpedoes and low detection range. But they're easily destroyed by the St. Louis just because of the sheer amount of guns and uh, that it has and the devastation of the high explosive shells. But it it can take a lot of damage from torpedoes and not especially not being the fastest ship in the game, although it is maneuverable. So we're just steaming into position here. Uh, ship momentarily spotted is a Friant, French cruiser, I believe. Yeah, French cruiser. Then he goes undetected. Uh, some other ships, but uh, spotted on the other side of the map. I'm trying to get into the same position that I was the last time, which is towards the southwest part of the map, because that's, or actually the west part of the map towards the southwest, is because that's generally where the engagements take place, or at least on that flank. 
because the enemy team has the time advantage to get into position versus you have to sail from further away, or at least I had to. Wix is laying a smoke screen towards the center of the map to smoke us up, which is nice. Uh, however, he's taking torpedo strikes. Friant comes uh, detected again around E3. And he's presenting a nice target, one of those cruisers that's thinly armored, and you can easily penetrate with that armor piercing at many angles. However, I misestimate his speed and ends on a stern for just one penetration. Uh, second salvo out. Oh, he just got slapped by somebody. Holy cow. Uh, I switched to HE briefly there, but then realized... Um, how thin his armor was, or at least remembered. And he's now realizing his mistake and desperately trying to kite, but with this, yeah, he's taking crossfire from everywhere. It's only a matter of time. Um, by the way, that one hit did 4,000 damage. Yep, and they get the kill and the first blood award. Uh, now Anasu is coming up, and he possibly just seeing what happened to his uh, fellow teammate, or teammate in the Friant. Uh, is desperately trying to get into the cover of an island, um, which is intelligent maneuver as our Chaldeon takes two torpedoes from the Friant and instantly obliterated for a flesh wound award for that enemy Friant. However, an Umikaze, Arrow Judgment, approaches a Wix and gets torpedoed. A little strange, thought he would get hit by artillery, but torpedoed. Nasu is sitting around an island, around E3 again, but he's sitting at the island desperately trying to get slowed down, but I think I can get these uh, shells over the island and lobbed at him. No, cannot, but he's still coming because he's trying to get his massive, because this battleship's not going to slow down particularly fast. So the nose comes around the island a little bit and is just getting damage saturated by all the fire coming in from our cruisers. Ordered with a non-penetration and a penetration. Firing HE, by the way. Um, let's see what this salvo does. He's backing up into the island, trying to get into cover. <laughs> Desperately. His superstructure is now exposed, but he's backing up. And a Charleston is spotted. Uh, just a few kilometers behind him. It appears to have stopped in open water, although he's angled towards our battleships. But... I don't know what he's doing. You can't angle against HE. Well, you can't angle against HE, but it's still going to shatter and start a fire. Um, Nasu's gone behind the island, and this extremely ballsy Wix that we have on our team comes around the corner, and I don't know, just like rushing the Nasu, because and Nasu fires his guns and misses. Gonna reload, sends six torpedoes towards the Nasu's way, and kills the Nasu, or sinks the Nasu, who was stationary trying to seek refuge behind the island, and this extremely ballsy Wix has now uh, laid a smokescreen right between the channel and the island, but he's still spotting the Charleston, so the Charleston cannot see us, but we can see him. This uh, player almost ends up with a Kraken at the end of the game, so he's clearly has a little bit of a clue as to what he's doing. Uh, Charleston staying in the same position, even though I'm backed up by a G101, a Nasu, and another cruiser. A, a Katori, Japanese cruiser. I believe it's premium, right? I think it's premium, yeah. Charleston momentarily undetected until I get around the smoke screen and can spot him visually because the Wix is taking shelter. Um, you can see his shells. There he is. All right, Charles is still in the same spot. I think he's reversing now, which is interesting because the ship reverses at like 10 knots. Trying to get some support from my teammates to go 
take out this Charleston so we can sweep around and hopefully catch the team in a crossfire. But then I realize that they are they are going to capture our base. So most of our team realizes this at the same time and is starting to turn around because they have uh, kind of rolled over the southern no rolled over the western flank there or no eastern duh i'm on the western flank trying to maintain that central position but really not doing super great of job at it trying to duck behind this island just so i can get turned around and out of the charleston's fire but he's pretty much stern on he's only got three guns firing at me at the moment just kind of keeping up the high explosive barrage I actually set a fire on him and like I said, this ship does best if you have a variety of targets to shoot at. The problem with most St. Louis players I see is they try to work the flanks. And this ship, it can do that, provided that the team is lemming trained to that flank and is only on that flank. Because once you run out of ships to shoot at, you're screwed for the rest of the battle because this ship is so slow. Um, another thing that this ship is good at is ramming... Uh, smaller cruisers and destroyers. It's the only ship I've actually survived a ram in because uh, of that ramming bow you have. Um, Wicks launching torpedoes at the Charleston, looking very, very good. So I have ceased fire on the Charleston and have told my other teammates to help that Wicks out and give him some cover fire, which I'm starting to do again. Just kind of trying to distract him from the Wicks while those torpedoes get there. Because they are, I don't know if he sees them, he, yeah, he sees them now, he's trying to turn. But there's really no way, the six torpedoes is such a tight spread. Even if two of those land, he's done. And they are out of range. That's not good. He's traveling away from him. More torpedoes in the water, because the Wix has that double-sided torpedo arrangement that's un unique to, no, not unique to U.S. destroyers, but um, pretty particular about them. More torpedoes his way, these are looking really good. Really good. Um, yeah, is that going to be the end? No, he's still alive. He <laughs> has 7,000 health. Not doing very healthy, just checking the position of the Kwachi. Trying to concentrate fire on the uh, Charleston. Man, this shield is Gets a bad shell dispersion, only one penetration with the HE. <laughs> Wix is not looking very healthy, but finally takes him out with the torpedoes. Uh, Wix left on 500 health. And now we have free roam of the base, and our base is being protected by a Katori and a G101 against a Tenryu and a Wakatake. Um, so, and they're doing a really good job at defending the base. Kawachi's heading towards our base as well, but we have three ships there are coming to our their base, which is a Nasu, a Wix, and, of course, myself. I'm about to enter the base right now and start the capture process. Actually, now they're capping our base, or at least contesting it. That Rom, There's another Romulus that pops up. 311 health, and he's firing his guns at me, at a St. Louis. Lucky for him, I just barely miss off his uh, stern. And Nasu's coming in right now and he's gone momentarily undetected do you think he's gonna shoot his guns again i'll take bets on that guns i'm gonna say his guns he's gonna shoot his, actually i know what happens there's his torpedoes 
All right, the Romulus torpedoes, they're going to hit the Nasu, but they... Pan, or not pan-European, but European torpedoes don't do that much damage. So, Nasu's going to be okay. Took, I think, a good 10,000 damage, but he's okay. Now we have three ships in the capture area, and uh, other ships at the southern end of the map have been pushed out of the cap, arc cap, so we're free to go. Capturing the base in minute 17. I'm detected so that Romulus came around the side of the island, and he's out there somewhere. Just got to see where he is. Telling my team to stay in cap. Also looking for that Romulus. There is more Romulus torpedoes, so... Yes. He's got to be around here somewhere, because European torpedoes don't have a spectacular range on them. Trying to just vary my course and speed to throw off the aim. I did that last time, and looks like those were aimed for the Nasu, but they missed. And the Romulus is firing his guns. <laughs> this is... This is... I, I'm i not laughing at it, because he's probably been playing World of Warships for like a day. But... Misses again, because he manages to dodge my torpedoes. More torpedoes incoming. I'm going to take one of these, but avoid them. And sink the Romulus. Takes a torpedo on the nose, causes flooding. Manages to avoid the other torpedoes with that really good rudder shift time. Flooding stop with the damage control. And now there's just two enemy ships left. But I'm telling my team just to stay in cap and that the other two that are outside the cap just to hold them. They're starting to cap our base, but it's far too late. We only have 39 seconds to go. Yeah, this 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 sh ship is spectacular at sending large, or actually small parcels of freedom every eight or nine seconds. Actually, people are already saying good game. Eighteen seconds to go. We're just the Wix is late. The smoke screen and the Nasu is just sitting in it to prevent him from. I didn't even know the nearest enemy ships are at least thirteen kilometers away. So, and between islands, another ship goes down. Tenryu, enemy Tenryu, sunk by Katori. And that is it. We win the game. I didn't do as much damage that time. Only 21,000. Sunk two ships. Assisted in capture and 47 target hits. Along with one spot because that dummy in the Romulus. Actually, not dummy. New player, we'll call it. <laughs> uh, fired at me. Third on the team. Yeah, so not a bad battle at all. Um... Yeah, so this is a really good ship for people to play if they're unfamiliar with World of Warships and need to just get those basic principles of the game down before they go into something slightly more advanced or fragile like Destroyers or, God forbid, the Phoenix at Tier 4, just to get the sense of maybe armor angling, especially when you're going at the battleships, because that armor, well, it can it pretty much guaranteed penetration, on the bows, you got six millimeters of armor, so yeah, that's a complete overmatch there, but you can still angle your armor, especially if they try to go for that belt. That belt will bounce some shells if sufficiently angled, and it teaches the principles of uh, the high shell arcs of the American cruiser line, well, actually, and destroyer line, but that um, splits off at the Chester tier before. Um, I really like this ship. I kept it around in my port just occasionally go down and 
although it's frowned upon seal club every once in a while if you're especially if you're feeling bad about yourself because the ship just doesn't care um definitely worth keeping around in your port even if you play at higher tiers like myself but anyways Thanks so much for listening to my brand new podcast, Rank Amateur. If you have a suggestion for a ship that you would like featured on the next episode, which will be coming out every week or so, please message me on Anchor. But for now, be sure to subscribe, and I'll catch you next time, Captains. Captains.